Welcome back to part two. So this is going to be a two-part episode where we finish off our top five players. I think I finished off at Shea Gilgis Alexander. Safe to say he's going to have a great year. Who's your next player, Josh? Uh, my best, my next player, sorry, not best. My next player is Brandon Ingram. Here's a few things from uh, his stats last season. He was uh, averaging 18.3 points, three assists, 5.1 rebounds per game. He actually had a really bad uh, VORP, which is uh, value over replacement player, which minus two is an average player. He was actually at minus 0.3, so he wasn't that great there. His three-point field goal percentage was 33%, but his effective field goal percentage was actually pretty good. It was at 518, and it basically why it was at 518 was because his two-point shooting percentage was really high, and that helped out a lot in that. main thing about uh, Ingram is he needs to stay healthy. He's coming off a very serious injury from the blood clot. If he can stay healthy, it will allow him to flourish this season. On top of that, he's away from LA, from the pressures of a huge basketball market. He'll be in New Orleans, being able to do his own thing. Uh, on top of that, in New Orleans, do you, do you know who's going to be under the microscope? Lonzo Ball? No, bro. It's probably going to be Zion. I think there's going to be huge expectations on him. So that having someone else being the focus is going to help Ingram quite a bit. He might get a chance to play point forward with this team, something he did well in LA. James, James, when James wasn't on the team, he played really well. In the 17 games that James missed, he averaged 19.2 points per game, 6.1 rebounds, and 4.1 assists per game. And he was shooting at 50.6% from the field. His playmaking abilities are probably going to be shown in New Orleans with him having more of the ball. Uh, Another thing that I find a positive is that he's going to be playing for a contract this year. So again, players tend to play their best when they need a new contract. That's terrible. It's terrible, but you know, it's true. Basically, a bunch of players like doing that where they'll be playing their best on a contract year, but then... Next thing you know, they don't show up the next season. I don't know. That's just, Why would you pay him that money then if you know he's only going to show up for a contract year? Well, you don't know that. Some players do that. Others don't. We don't know that Ingram is that type of player. They're going to sandbag until their last year to try? Basically. That's what a lot of players do. Uh, I like your pick, Brandon Ingram. I think he'll have a good season. But I don't think he's going to get a lot of touches within that team. That number one option is Drew Holiday. For sure. I think you'd be the second option, to be honest. Who do you think it's going to be? I think they're going to try and incorporate Zion Williams. Yeah, I could see that happening too. I don't know. I could see also Zion being like a third option just because it's his rookie year. They're going to try and protect him a little bit just from the high expectations. And you might as well saddle Ingram, who's been proven and been able to do it in LA for a little bit while LeBron's out, right? That's true. I th- it just seems to me like this is like this move was made for him. I think I'll give you another perspective of the New Orleans Pelicans. Would you have rather picked out of these three players? I'll give you three players: Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, or Josh Hart. 
What do you mean? Just pick who the best one out of all of them? No, just pick the one that you think would be a breakout player. It's like I said, it's either Ingram or or, or Ball. I think the safe money would have been Ball because he has some abysmal stats. You know his free throw percentage? It's terrible. Forty five. It's terrible. I know. That's horrendous. But again, do you really think he'd improve that much, especially in the off season? I think he has he's the been, most. He's been rehabbing a lot, apparently, from what I've read. He's been rehabbing a lot this season. He hasn't really been on the court that much. I, so he's already at a disadvantage. I think he has the most room to break out because all of his stats are just horrendous. That's my train of thought. I can see why you chose Ingram because he's already steadily improving, right? But the thing with Ingram is. There's only two stats that I can see that he could break out in. It would be three-pointers or free-throw rates. That's true. I, I mean, that's very rigid. If you're asking me to take the safe money, I would say Lonzo. He has a ton of things that he could improve on compared to Ingram. I like Ingram, but that's more of a safe pick for me. Yes, but... If you notice from what we've learned from Ball recently is that even in the things he he wants to improve on, he doesn't. It's mostly for him, it's just you're going to get assists, rebounds, and good defense from him. That's true. If you like, There's a lot of comparisons to Jason Kidd, and I can see why. Jason Kidd didn't develop a shot till late in his career, and I would not be surprised if that's what we're going to be looking at from Ball. But this is, we're picking players that could have breakout seasons. I think he has the most potential to break out. Is he going to break out? No. I don't think Ball's going to break out. Uh, that being said, this this coach is tailor-made for him for the way they want him to play. Up and down, nice and quick. He can get those passes. That's that's where I see Ball being at. This that that there, his assists are going to go through the roof this year just because he has guys that can that he can outlet to, but in terms of actually having a breakout season, I still would think it'd be Ingram just because he's going to get more ch- more chances to be the man, and I think that he can't he can not only improve on the offensive side but the defensive side too, especially with that huge wingspan. He should be a player that should be playing better on defense, and I think he'll be able to thrive more in in New Orleans with that. That's true. I think with Ingram, he's a case of what you see is what you get with me. He's such an enigma. I mean, he puts up some great stats, not going to lie. But there's only one way of how he does it, the mid-range, right? Or he drives to the rim really well. And he's got to improve that three-pointer. He's got to improve the few His rookie season, he shot 39%. And that... Last season, he was down to 32%, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's an outlier, though, for his three-point shooting. It's like Draymond Green. He's going to have seasons where he shot 36, and he's down at 29. True. Right? True. But, again, we all know what Green brings to the table. It's mostly defense. When you 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 got talents like Steph Curry... And Clay Thompson, who can just shoot lights out, you don't really need him to do that, right? You that, just need him. True. You just need him to defend. Well, on this team, you're going to need scoring options somewhere. 
That's true. It's, it's, I mean, yeah, you can say Drew Holiday, but that's just one guy. Who else is going to have to step up? It's going to have to be Ingram. It's going to be have to be Ingram or Ball. And to be and to be frank with you, I think it's just Ball doesn't show improvement in shooting. I don't think he's going to have that huge of a jump. I would pick I would pick Ingram, being the be, the better second option and the more reliable one, just because we know what he's capable of. Whereas Ball, we've had him for two seasons. His shot improved two percent, and he's been they've both been injury riddled right but to me if you were gonna have a second option it has to be ingram it can't be ball if ball anything you want him to initiate the play by making plays for everyone else that's how he's going to be most effective three point wise i don't see that happening this season not to say that he won't be able to do it at some point in his career but for now i think it's he's quite a way He's far away from hitting that that point where he's comfortable with his shot and he's able to make it. Well, speaking of which, with the Golden State Warriors, they added a new piece. That's my fourth player that I'm going to break. Or third player. Fourth, I think. That's your fourth. 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 I can't count today. Sorry. Can you guess his name? Hmm... He's the guy we should have kept instead of drafting Lonzo Ball. Oh, Magic Johnson, I wish. Magic, magic, magic. I mean, this was a long time ago, but you remember me talking about how they should have drafted Fox instead of Ball, right? Oh, you're segueing into my other players. (laughs) Correct. Anyways, uh, go ahead, Nick. Tell me more. D'Angelo Russell. Mr. D-Loading. He had a great... 2017-2018 2017-2018 season. Guess what he averaged? No, wait, I'll tell you. He's going to average 25.2 points per game, 8.3 assists, and 4.2 rebounds. Had a usage rate of 31%. And it was only 0.5% higher than last year. And he made a statistical jump of 4 points in his game. Oof. Wow. We missed out, eh? We missed out big time. I mean, his three-point percentage went to 37. And his field goal percentage went up to 43. I know that doesn't look great. But still, that's better than mid-30s, I would say. I think a new team in the Golden State Warriors, he's going to have some fun there. But he's going to have to learn how to adjust. I watched a little bit of him during the preseason game. He didn't look comfortable out there at all. Well, he's going to have to get used to that, right? Um, Thing is with him, even that backcourt of him and Curry, that's going to be scary because they can't defend at all. Well, Steph is a passable defender if you look at him. he's this. If you put him on a bigger matchup, it's not going to end well. And thing is that they're in the West where they're constantly going to be finding incredible backcourts. So defensively, I don't know about about these two. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Now that being said, I know on offense it should look better just because we know that they'll give up the ball, right? They're a team-first type of team. 
they'll make the correct passes. We'll have to see if how D'Angelo can fit into that system, but I'm pretty sure it could work out. This would be a case of a skill scale, I believe, where you're dropping a good player from a mediocre or a bad team to a good team. I'm not saying Brooklyn was terrible, but they're not on the level of Golden State for sure. Definitely not a championship team. That being said, how did Russell get most of his points last season? He did a lot of isolation, right? And he has a high release on that jump shot. The problem I find with him going to Golden State, that's a motion offense. So you're continuously moving. Can he shoot on the move like Clay and Steph? That's hard. I guess we're going to have to find out. Because, correct me if I'm wrong, but last year, Brooklyn... I know the big story was him, but to be honest with you, we saw that Levert was the one that was actually handling that team. He was the one actually making that team go, especially when they start when they started to get hot. It was him. It wasn't D'Lo. D'Lo was still coming off the bench, and then once D'Lo started coming off the bench, it actually started working. So I I want to see how it's going to work with Steph Curry because he clearly couldn't do it with Levert. I mean, D'Angelo has the greatest three-point shooter of our generation right beside him. I think he's going to get a lot of space. I I feel the problem is he's going to have to create off of that space, whether it be three-point or sorry, shooting the three-pointer, pick and roll, or finding the open man. That Golden State offense, they like to move a lot. I don't know if D'Angelo is that type of player who can move continuously. Because what they do offensively, it's a philosophy. They move and fill the space, right? So if you're leaving, the guy that passed to you is going to go to your spot. And that's how they play. In Brooklyn, a lot of his shots were dribble, pull up three, or coming off a pick and shooting. I can see where he would be successful, but this offense requires you to move. Is he like a Clay Thompson type of player? I, I don't really think so. Well, here's the thing also. Talent-wise, they've there's not as much as there used to be on this Golden State team. So in my head, I would think it'd be a little bit easier to cover this team now than it used to be, right? Before, you'd have to worry about other guys making moves, right? But now, I mean... Who your third option right now would be? What Draymond would it be? Who who else would make, be making shots on that team? It's basically going to depend a lot on Steph and D'Angelo. So it'll be interesting if he can take that up. Or and even when Clay Thompson comes back, which I don't even think it's going to happen anytime soon. It it would be interesting if he were coming back. Maybe they could use him just like they did in Brooklyn, coming off the bench doing his own thing keeping that keeping that team uh that keeping that team ahead while they're resting their star players right but, i think that'd be a bad move but uh i i don't know it'd be interesting to see how this works out though and see if he can adjust i think they'll have a hard time adjusting for sure that team just in general i mean only curry is the biggest threat on that team. Are you going to let Draymond shoot? I would. 
Willie called Stein. Is he a shooter at all? No, he's just a role man. He can play a little bit of defense. And the other other players, I'm not really too sure of them. I think I picked D'Angelo solely based on he's going to get a lot of good looks just playing with Curry. Right. But like I said, it's easier to cover. At least now if you were to double Curry, I mean, you know right away it's going to be D'Lo. You cover that guy right away. And then after that, you can leave anyone else open and see if they can beat you. I think that's going to be how teams are going to try with them. Just let anyone else beat you other than Curry or D'Angelo, right? I think D'Lo is going to drop in points for sure. But that's the eye test. Just because they drop in points doesn't mean they're playing poorly. Especially now in today's NBA. If you're dropping in points, let's say you drop four points or five. Let's say you're 20 point per game score. Well, let's say you shoot 49% from the field, 39% from the three. You don't turn it over as much. And your assists go up. That's not playing bad to me. That's just you're playing smarter at that rate. No, like I said, it's like today's NBA, whereas, I don't know, back in the day, it would be about how much you're getting. Now it's about how efficient you are, right? How do you get those points? What do you do? Do you throw wild passes or do you shoot wild shots? Yeah, making correct plays, not wasting possessions. It all that's it all comes to an account nowadays, right? It all ties in together. Yeah. So enough of my rambling about D'Angelo. Who's your fourth player? I actually picked a guy from the Bulls, Laurie Markinen. I like that pick. Tell me some uh, facts about him. Uh, last year, he averaged 18.7 points per game. He averaged nine rebounds per game. Field goal percentage was at 43%. And his three-point shooting was not bad. It was actually at 36.1% from three. He only played 52 games last season. And the season before, he only played 68. His numbers will most likely improve, but for that to happen, it's just he needs to stay healthy. Uh, it also depends on which position they're going to want him to play this season. It Either power forward or center. Pick your poison, because at power forward, we can see that he can play well. At center, the problem is going to be defensively. Can he cover the bigger dudes? Or... Or can he can he keep up with them? But on the offensive side, I think centers will have more problems with him just because he's probably most likely going to be on the perimeter more. So he's going to be harder to cover. He spreads the floor more than any seven-footer in, in, in NBA history. He's averaging 2.23s per game, the most of any seven-footer in NBA history. Next closest to him is Porzingis, and he shoots 1.5 uh, shots from three per game. Even the Bulls were inconsistent last year with their lineups and even their coaching. Uh, there, there was a stretch of eleven games though where they the lineups remained the same, and he was averaging twenty six point five points, twelve point six rebounds, and two and a half assists, which is actually pretty good for a big man. My one question to you for this pick: Why not Zach Levine? Why not Zach? <sighs> That's a sexy pick. It It is, but I just went with the guy who I see more of a potential of 
his numbers picking up a bit more. I know Zach's been there a while. I feel like you already get what you get from him. I don't see, like his numbers could improve, but I just don't see them improving astronomically more than they already are. At, yeah, yes. that, that's what I meant. So that's why I picked uh, Markkinen. I feel like Markkinen's numbers could increase quite a bit this season. And with Chicago finally getting a point guard in Kobe White and Sadoransky, that should also go a long ways to improving uh, his numbers as most of his points uh, are basically assisted. And he's not just straight coming off isolation. He's actually getting others to give him the ball and he can shoot it. That's why I picked Markinen. So it's more of a safe bet. You don't know if Zach Levine's going to continue rising. Yeah. Well, I, I expect he can rise, but I just don't feel like it's going to be that much of a bigger jump than, than Markinen. Before, yeah. 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 Especially now that Markinen, if he stays healthy and he gets, he's most likely going to get the minutes now. So I feel like those two things are going to help him increase his numbers for this season. I can see. Yeah, that's good, pretty good reasoning. I like that. Who would you like to pick up next, Nick? Who would I like to pick up next? It's going to be De'Aaron Fox. This guy, Fox. De'Aaron Fox, the one we should have drafted. Another yeah. one that got away. Another one that got away. Sounds like. We're going to sing that Katy Perry song when we see the Lakers one day. Which, which song is that? The one that got away. Can't we just sing Unbreak My Heart? Well, I'll, I'll film it and then post it on Instagram for everyone to see one day. I mean, just Unbreak My Heart. I mean, Lakers can't draft. Or we traded them all away, I think. We have nobody that we drafted other than the Coos. Yes, the Coos. Anyways, continue, bro. My personal favorite pick of this list. He had the most impressive sophomore season I've seen. This guy had an uptick in everything. From field goal percentage, from three-point percentage, to three throws, to three-pointers made, and even assists. I'll give you a little bit of a breakdown. So his field goal percentage went up to 46% this year. Shot a 30 37% um, from... Th- from the three and he increased his three throw to five per game three more than last year he also increased his assist to 7.3 and he became a net positive on offense and defense so to give a general consensus of how players improve it's either one category or two that they have a breakout in that pushes all their stats up so for example with my f- second pick, I believe. Yes, second, Justice Winslow. Justice Winslow, sorry. He had an uptick in his usage rate, three points made, and assist. So those are two things. And with, with D'Angelo Russell, he had an uptick in points, efficiency, and assist. But De'Aaron Fox, he had an uptick in everything. From BPM, OPM, DPM. I don't know if I'm saying those right. Those all went up and he was a positive. So he averaged 11 points in his rookie season, 
to 17 in his sophomore season. I mean, that's incredible. It's going to should be able to keep it going, especially with this team. Like they all improve. It's not just been one guy. So I can see this also happening. And he's going to lead that team big time. Watch how he plays. This guy is a pick and roll master at a young age. He knows how to spray the corners very well with the shooters. And he can make his reads correctly. He knows how to drive and shield his body from big centers. He knows how to run an offense. And he just makes the Kings tick. I think for him, the next step would be how can you be a 20-point scorer, 10-assist person, and include all your teammates? He has a lot of talent around him. He has Marvin Bagley, Harry Giles, Giles, Buddy Heald, Trevor Ariza, Dwayne Dedman, Corey Joseph. That's a lot of talent around this person or this team. Yeah, he should be able to do it this season. I see no reasons why he didn't have a sophomore slump. Kept improving on everything. I, I'm really excited to see this team. And hopefully they can actually pull it off this season and actually make the playoffs after how many years? It's been more than a decade since they last made the playoffs. I can see it happening. It's just it, it's all happening in unison. Everyone's getting improving. They're gonna. They're definitely gonna be battling for one of the last spots in the playoffs. I think they'll go seventh or eighth. Those are my safe picks. I don't know if the coaching change was correct. They might take a step back. I don't know. They were doing pretty well with um, Dave. Was it Dave Yeager? Yeah. Only yeah. problem was that you know he liked to cause problems with upper management. I mean, he's going to, that's politics. What, and, what can you do about that? Yeah, that's the thing. He's a really good coach. Wherever he's gone, he's made a difference, but he just can't seem to keep it quiet, right? That's true. Who's your last player of this segment? Well, Nick, my last player, and I chose Anthony Simons from the Portland Trailblazers. Ooh. And that is a nice pick. I like that. This one's a little bit tough because it's all based on what he... Well, I mean, most of these guys, the guys I've picked, they've done something at some point late in the season where they've shown glimpses of being able to handle a team. You're a risky man. I like that. And this guy, I mean, he ended up playing that last game for Portland that managed to get them into that third spot last season. Yep. And in that game... He scored 37 points and nine assists. They won that game. I think they rested their starters that game, if I'm not mistaken. And he just killed that game and was able to get Portland into that third spot. He's a big reason why they were able to get that third spot. And not only that, but he sh he balled out in the NBA Summer League. His numbers were was really good, and his sh and his shooting was impressive. Apparently, what he's been doing a lot this offseason was working with uh, Dame Lillard's trainer, personal trainer. And apparently, he's adding a lot of those Dame shots into his uh, repertoire. 
you you'll remember that uh, sidestep shot he took on uh, PG to end Oklahoma's season. Yeah, well, apparently, Anthony has been doing that a lot during this off season, and he mastered it in the summer league. Now, the question is: Is he going to be able to translate that into the NBA regular season? Uh, not only that, I'm just checking time. Not only that, but they really have nobody else to be the third guard. If you think about it, other than uh, who was it? Who was the other guy that they? Oh, Kent Bazemore. So Kent Bazemore would be the other one, but other, he's a Ford. Other than that, they they really brought nobody to help out that backcourt. So I feel like they're gonna be able to give him the keys to the team. He's gonna be depended on to improve that second unit. And, well, I mean, you lost Curry. You have no veterans added to the backcourt. And they need help for when either Lillard or McCollum are off. Because once those guys come off, one of them, they're already down by 10-point averages. And when both of them are off, they're down by 13-point averages. So... This might be the way for him to come into the team, help them out. He'll probably be the, he'll probably be the back he'll probably be the backup to those guys. So trial by fire is what you're saying. Basically, uh, I can't really say much about this guy other than that his summer league was just impressive, and he's showing a lot of promise in his shooting. That's impressive. But uh, again, you can't count on Summer League too much. So this is my riskiest pick out of all of them. I like it, though. I I hope he can do it this season. It'd be I, interesting to see. I hope so, too. I mean, he had a great season. I think it's safe to say our top five picks for each of our list very different. I think your picks are very, I don't want to say risky, but they're outside the box. Yeah, like I said. It it all depends on. I'm basically basing it off. You're banking on potential, exactly. And whatever they did the past season towards the end, they've shown glimpses of being able to improve. Whether it's Bam Adebayo, towards the end of the season, he he started and he started playing more. The Heat went up. We're having the best part of their season, winning 16 games. Losing 12, I know it's just above 500, but it was better than what they had with Whiteside. Uh, Marking in that 11-game span where he was averaging 25, 25 points per game towards the end, of, towards the second half of the season, but then he got injured. Uh, you got Ingram. James got injured. He took off. And then we got Simons in there who also took off in that last game of the season to help Portland. And he's continued it into the summer league where he was dominating. So basically, I am basing it off of what I've seen them do. Small sample sizes. Very small sample sizes. I like your courage in these picks. I think how a player, how we should determine player or success for players is how they perform in spite of, in spite of the obstacles. So with your five picks, I think we need something concrete. For example, are they all starters? 
I would say so, except for except for Simons. He's except definitely going to be yeah. coming off the bench. So you got four stable or five stable situations because they know their roles, and they're going to have eighty-two games to prove this. Exactly, and they're all still young too. I mean, probably the oldest one I chose was Ingram, who's already been what three seasons into the, into his career. That's true. Yeah. So. You don't give up on players that easily, right? Especially. I mean, we're not the Lakers, are we? No, we're, unfortunately, unfortunately, that's what the Lakers do. They don't pay, they don't wait too long for guys to improve, right? It's about championships in LA. But, so, how long did it take for Kobe to get good? I took four years. Took him. Took him a bet. Right? Took him four years and two air balls in the playoffs against Utah. The most important part of the season, conference finals. And he bounced back. Kudos to him. Some people don't bounce back like that. They'd take him a while to get back to it. But I mean, even for a legend like Kobe, took him that long. So, yeah, exactly. And took T Mac a while too. Yeah. Chauncey Billups. Took guys a while, right? Yeah. Uh, and that's, I mean, Kobe didn't even play college ball. So that's also a factor we got to add in. So if you don't give up on players like that, why would you give up on any of these guys? I mean, it's like a microwave mentality. Not to get too philosophical. People want instant gratification, right? So that's why you use a microwave, because you instantly want your food heated up. What we don't see is delayed gratification. What if we took our time to cook the food instead? It'll taste way better for sure. It'll taste way better. And you don't have soggy hot dog buns and soggy hot dog wieners. Shout out to Nick's dad who was putting buns and wieners into the microwave. I kid you not. He did that for a minute and 30 seconds. They came out hot, but both of them were soggy. Am I going to eat a soggy hot dog? No. (laughs) You got to love your dad. (laughs) And people are going to be like, well, you got to be grateful for that. Uh, yeah, I am grateful, but I mean, there's other ways of cooking food. You know that. Uh, he wanted to feed you quickly, Nick. He didn't want you to starve. You got to give him kudos for that. I can take care of myself. This guy cannot. And uh, thank you for listening today. And we will talk to you soon. We will see you soon, guys. Bye-bye.